Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You might recognize this week's guest from her roles on Silicon Valley or Veep or Curb Your Enthusiasm. Now she's about to break out in a much bigger way in the new holiday rom-com, Happiest Season. How can you not like the lights and the decorations? This is beautiful. Come with me to my parents' house for Christmas. Blame it on Christmas. Abby, you and Harper have a perfect relationship. She is my person, and I really want everyone to know that. I want to marry her. I'm going to ask her dad for his blessing. Way to stick it to the patriarchy. There's something that we should talk about. Do you remember when I came out to my parents? That's not entirely accurate. My perfect girl. Sloan, she's our super mom. Harper is our powerhouse. And Jane... I have asked you not to do that. I know, I didn't listen. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and today I am joined by the incredibly funny Mary Holland. I first became aware of Mary through her brilliant character work on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast. Over the years, she has used the improv skills she honed on stage at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater to infuse her many scene-stealing appearances on some of my all-time favorite TV shows. Not only does Mary deliver a one-of-a-kind breakthrough performance in Happiest Season, which lands on Hulu this week, but she also co-wrote the very funny screenplay with director Clea Duvall. I just had a blast talking to Mary for this episode, and I hope that you fall in love with her as much as I did. So here's me with Mary Holland. It's happening. Amazing. So yeah, I was looking back the uh, the last time, I don't know if you remember this, that we met was at the 500th episode taping of Comedy Bang Bang. Yes, of course. I was the weirdo sitting in the corner of the studio. I mean, you really witnessed some madness. <laughs> Yeah, it really did. I mean, that was it was as a fan of the podcast, uh, it was it was very special to to be there to see how it yeah. all happens. So now I know I think they're doing all those podcasts like this now over Zoom. Do you do you miss being in the uh in the sweaty room and doing comedy bang bang in, in person? With the cans. <laughs> Um, I do actually, it is fun to do it over. I mean, the, the, the convenience factor of doing it in one's own home is, it's great. We all love it. But yes, there's a, in person, it's, there's a, um, kinetic energy that it's hard to capture. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, again, thank you for, for doing this podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you, especially with this movie coming out, uh, Happiest yeah. Season, which I got to see, uh, actually a couple of weeks oh, ago good. and really, really enjoyed it. I had, um, actually had family staying with me and we all watched it and it was like just oh, the perfect nice. um holiday watch which I'm, I'm sure is how it's designed so yeah that's the way to do it you you nailed it <laughs> so let's kind of go from the beginning how did this happen that you ended up not only having this really amazing breakout performance in the movie but also co-writing the screenplay yeah well so clea duval and i met on veep when i i had a uh, role in season six and our characters never had any scenes together, but I would go to the table reads. And so I would see her there and we just very quickly 
connected and had this uh, chemistry with each other. And she's been writing things on her own for a long time. And she had this idea for a Christmas movie that was inspired by her experiences. And she wanted to write it with somebody because, you know, comedies are always more fun to write with somebody. (laughs) I really am just so floored that she picked me to do it because we didn't know each other at the time, really. Um, we just had this great rapport and she one day just asked me if I, she told me about the idea and asked me if I wanted to write it with her. And, and I was like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> and you, I mean, you've done, you know, improv and, and sketch and all this stuff, but you hadn't really written a screenplay like that before, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that that was my first experience doing that. Yeah. So do you think, you know, having not done it before, what was that like for you to kind of all of a sudden be collaborating on this on this screenplay? I mean, it. I really was so lucky that I was able to partner with Clea on it because Clea is such a phenomenal writer and storyteller and she knows what she's doing. <laughs> she like, and also she wanted to direct this movie. So she had this, she had the vision for it going into the writing process. So it was for me just kind of stepping in and joining her was so it it was so easy and it was so organic and I even though I didn't totally like it was my first time experiencing this writing process it for sure never felt like overwhelming or daunting or like something that I was out of my depth with like I I really felt taken care of by her as a as a writing partner. Was it always the the plan from the beginning for you to play Jane, this character? It was, it was. We, when we were first brainstorming the, the characters in the family, we knew that we wanted the, her to have two sisters and for one of them to be, you know, a bit more eccentric. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. And as soon as we decided that, I was like, oh, I want to play her. So we really, from the very beginning, we wrote Jane for me. And there's so many details that are true of me that mm, oh, really? we, we, we imbued in Jane. Like what? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm a huge fan of fantasy fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's that. I feel like just her general demeanor, Jane is kind of a, an amped up version of me. She's very like, very playful, goofy, uh, very like joyful and excited to like be in the world. <laughs> um, and it, it's so much fun also like to see the contrast between Jane and this very buttoned up family that she's mm-hmm. in and, and yeah. watch them try to like deal with her and her try to deal with them. Uh, there's just, you know, inherent comedy in that, but, but yeah, Jane is very close to my heart. How much of the writing occurred on set in terms of improvising or, you know, coming up with new jokes in the moment? And was that something that you were kind of involved in while playing it? Yeah. I mean, well, Clea always like gave us all jokes. So she, she would come and give us some jokes to try out. And then, I, I will say like a lot of the the sort of making a scene feel alive, like uh whereas not like you say a line, you say a line, you say a line. It's where it feels like, oh, everybody's like living in this scene. A lot of those moments were improvised. For example, with the family in the kitchen when we're trying to make cookies and I'm trying to help Sloan out and she does not want my help. And all of that was like very much we were finding those beats in the moment and and Cleo was like helping us craft that but especially with Jane because you know she is she is so free-spirited and so uh uninhibited the improvising as Jane 
just felt very natural. Like she's not, she's not just going to like say, say her line and then not react anymore in the scene. You know what I mean? Like she, she's going to like have little moments of, oh, and uh, uh. Yeah. like she, <laughs> she's so um, tuned in and like so in the moment that improvising as her felt very uh, natural. Yeah. I mean, you obviously have an improv background and have done so much work on, on TV and movies. I imagine that people often are calling on you to improv or encouraging you to improv in, in projects. Is that the case or is, do you feel it like? It is. Yeah, it is. And I, I also think think just in general, when, and even if you, you don't end up using whatever takes that have the improv in them, allowing an, an actor and especially one with an improv background to, to improvise, it really, I think helps, it helps me at least like relax into a scene and like really feel like I have ownership over what I'm doing in it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you, yeah. I feel like I'm able to um, settle more deeply into my character's point of view or, or, you know, the situation that's happening. You have an incredible cast in this movie, starting with Kristen Stewart, who's probably the, you know, the biggest star in the movie, but she uh, and everybody else and Alison Brie and Dan Levy and so many good people. Were you involved in that process at all? Or how did you, how do you feel about sort of how that all came together? I am floored and over the moon. <laughs> I'm simultaneously floored and then also, <laughs> Yeah, over which the moon. <laughs> seems like it might be contradictory, but in this case, but it's not. No. It's not. Yeah. It makes sense. Just don't think about it too much. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I, this cast is so stellar, and every every single one of them, what they brought to the roles that we had written, it just exceeded every expectation, and um, they breathed life into these characters, and they became these three dimensional people in a way that was so cool and satisfying to see. And the casting process, like beyond writing Jane for me, that was fully, you know, up to Clea as the director and that she took such great care with this story and was so meticulous and intentional with who she put, who she cast in each role. And you can really see it. Like, I feel like the, everybody individually is so strong, but then also the, the dynamics that were created are so specific and, and relatable and fun. But you weren't writing for any specific people while you were actually writing it because it was cast afterwards. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The characters really existed on their own and we tried to make make these I feel in the writing process make these characters give each character like a fully fleshed out arc of of a story for themselves in addition to this main story we were telling um but yeah we tried to just create these characters that existed independently and then the people who came on board to play them just knocked it totally out of the park yeah it's really fun to see Kristen in a comedy like this because it's really not what she's known for in a lot of ways and just sort of see her in a different light I know it's so cool and she's so funny in it yeah everyone's really funny um she joked, I saw in an interview she just did, that she was just trying to keep up with all of the, you know, comedy people in the movie. I'm, I'm not sure if she was being self-deprecating or if that, if that was accurate, <laughs> but she... But she, you know, because there are some some heavy hitting, you know, comedy people in the movie. So I think when, when totally. whenever someone comes in, you know, whether it's like hosting Saturday Night Live or, you know, doing when they all of a sudden have to be thrown in with these, you know, very yeah. quick comedy minds. I can imagine that that feels very overwhelming but she was so up to the task and she was so great but yeah i i think clea populating the cast with so many comedy people was smart on many levels and not just because we're making a comedy yeah <laughs> but yeah. it's it's also the 
the kind of um, playfulness that comedians can bring. It keeps everybody loose and it has this collaborative spirit about it. Yeah. you just reading some of the, you know, early reviews and articles about it. There's this kind of like way that people are describing the movie as radical, which I find so strange because it's not in the in the way the movie feels and the what it is. It really is not that. But because it's right. a, you know, rom-com with two women at the center, that's how it's sort of being described. So I'm wondering what you think when you hear people kind of talking about that way. I guess on the one hand it is, but on the other hand, it's really not. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I, I feel like this kind of story should be in the rom-com genre. Like it, it shouldn't be radical. And hopefully there will be so many more, like this will be the first of so many, but, uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think the it is a universal story and it's told through a very specific lens, but the holiday spirit of it, the love story, all of it is, is it's so relatable. Holiday movies are so important to us. They really mean a lot to a lot of people. And so I feel like this movie is so special and heartwarming and moving and I can I can understand why some people would be like, oh, it's radical, it's flip, it's doing all this crazy stuff with the genre. But then at the same time, it's like, well, no, it's like such a pure example of the genre. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Were Were there holiday movies that you either loved growing up or were kind of looking to while you were writing it that you were kind of trying to either emulate or or move away from or, or just thinking about in relation to? Yeah, I mean, Home Alone always sticks out in my mind. That's my favorite holiday movie, and it's also I feel like we really, both of us love that movie and we, we really tried to capture that sort of family dynamic. You, you feel in Home Alone, like immediately thrust in to like the chaos and how hectic the holidays are and all how complicated the relationships with all the family members are. And that was, that was something that we, you know, we're excited to like infuse in this movie, explore those, what it means to go home for the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's great that you guys were able to, you know, shoot it before everything started shutting down. Were you still kind of working on it after all that? And was that, was there any kind of post situation that you had to deal with? Well, our last day of shooting was February 29th. Oh my God. And then we, we, um, came home on March 1st. And I remember it was like, there were even flying home that day. I was like, Oh, we got, Oh, like yeah, <laughs> had a mask, yeah, had sanitizer, yeah. all this stuff. And, um, and then everything shut down and it was like, I can't believe we got this done. And I can't believe we were just shooting a movie where we mm -hmm. were all just like, yeah, <laughs> had no idea what was around the corner. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but I, I think Clea pretty quickly went right into post-production, but once, mm -hmm. once production well, was done, wrapped. Yeah. Yeah, I good. was not. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, I think it was intended as a movie to, to be in theaters, which is not a thing that so much exists at the moment. Um, That's right. <laughs> but it is it is going to be on Hulu, which in a way I think is is great because it gives, you know, probably more people might end up seeing it this way than they would have in the theaters. Um, so yeah. I mean, how, how do you feel about that? Because it's something everyone's dealing with now is like the expectation of what something is when you're making it versus, you know, what it is when it comes out. Totally. I was so excited for it to come out in movie theaters. Just the idea of getting to, to see it on this big screen and, and to get to go and watch it with a big audience. I was really looking forward to it. And then when it became clear that that mm -hmm. could not and should not happen. Yeah. Um, um, it was, it was disappointing. It was a bummer, but, 
But then when I found out that Hulu was going to be um, streaming it, it, it's like all the excitement that I had about it being on the big screen. I was like right back in that excitement because so many people are going to be able to see it and they're going to be able to watch it at home. Like, and this is a movie about family and about love and um, what, what your home means. And so I think it's really fitting that people will be able to, to watch it in their most safe space in their Mm -hmm. homes. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's the same thing that happened, you know, with uh, Palm Springs, which came out on uh, right. Hulu earlier in the year. And I feel like that was, you know, an example of a movie that would have been really fun to see in the theater, but like probably did even better and got even more attention in a way when people, when everyone could watch it at home. Yeah, I'm thrilled at the idea of it being so widely accessible um, and for people to be able to watch it and still be safe. I'm just so excited by that. So how, I mean, how has the pandemic, it's affected everybody's careers um, in different ways and sort of what you're able to do. So how do you, how do you feel like it's impacted you over these last, you know, almost nine months now? Well, there's, there was a, 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 so many moments of, <laughs> Will, is this, is this it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is this is it over? the end of this industry where we continue making things? Like it, it was very unclear how, it was going to proceed, but I, I've done a few days out on productions in the last month or two and they, they found a way to make it work and make it, make it safe and still be able to create movies and TV shows and commercials. Like it's, it's really kind of amazing to watch how the industry has adapted. Um, but on a personal level, uh, this time I had like some ideas with friends of, of things we wanted to write. And this time has been really productive in that way of, and it's been so nice to have like a, a creative outlet because we, I was performing improv every week. Like that was, that was my outlet and it was so important to me. And, um, when that went away, it was really tough, but, but being able to write with friends and, and work on new ideas that like, and fully focus on that, that really helped mm-hmm. the time go by. Yeah. Were you still performing every week at, at UCB in LA or where were you? Where yeah, you I was doing, yeah. Yeah. UCB in LA. Yeah. Yeah. And you've really been involved in that theater, you know, from the beginning of your career, right? What, what was sort of yeah. the, the early days for you of, of getting involved at UCB? Like, I mean, doing practice groups every week and people's living rooms. Um, yeah, I, I was, uh, I started taking classes and then fell in love with it right away formed practice groups, was practicing every week. I auditioned for like house teams a couple years in a row, didn't get on any teams, but I, but there's a really strong indie improv scene in LA, like lots of people running their own independent improv shows. So I was doing a lot of those and just having the time of my life with it. And then eventually did get on a house team and started like performing there and, and shows at UCB more regularly. And it just has, it became such a massive part of my life and, and my career. I feel like I, I, I don't know <laughs> if I would have ended up where I did were it not for doing improv and, and performing at that theater. What kind of, what were sort of the earliest uh, opportunities that it led to UCB? What were the things that, that you started doing sort of out of that world? I, one of the things that I discovered in, in performing at UCB was how important the community is. And the first like TV job that I got was this part on Silicon Valley. It was a one episode 
uh, thing in the first season. And I knew Thomas Middleditch from like the improv world and Zach Woods. And, and I remember thinking like, because prior to that, it, whenever I would get the opportunity to audition for something, it was like, this feels so far away. <laughs> I can't, I can't, it just does not feel accessible to me. I don't know how I would ever get this or like be in this world. It just feels so far. But knowing Thomas and Zach from the comedy scene, I was like, oh, these are my, these are friends. And there's, I feel like the improv world and, and through UCB and then comedy, the comedy scene in general, it just, it suddenly felt like, oh, we're, we, we're all just doing this. Like, oh, it felt much more doable. And I felt like I was already a part of a community that was doing it. Coming up, Mary talks about what it was like to step into the worlds of Silicon Valley, Veep, and Curb Your Enthusiasm before telling some delightfully embarrassing audition stories. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What was the experience like on that one episode of Silicon Valley that you did? Was it, did it feel like being thrown into something that you, that you didn't expect or? Yeah, it was overwhelming. It was very exciting to be there. And though like that, that group was so tight knit right off the bat that, that whole cast, but they were there, there was a ton of improvising on that set. And that, that was, that was fun to, it was so fun to watch them improvise. And then also, uh, that really put me at ease, I think, where it was like, Oh, this is what we do. This is what we do. It's not, it's not something crazy. It's just like, <laughs> just relax. It's sort of like being, being at the theater. I owe you an apology. I was way off base. Well, yeah, you were. He cleared it all up for me. Jared, really? Yeah, he's your partner, right? Yeah, he is. One of many. Probably too many. How could I not have seen this? Obviously, you're not obsessed with me. Richard, it's none of my business, but... Be safe, okay? Okay. Well, you, you've somehow managed to become like the staple of every HBO show because you've done a bunch of them now. You did, I mean, Silicon Valley. And then you right. mentioned Veep where you met Clea, um, which was, that was just a great run of episodes that you had on that show. Um, oh, thanks. As Shawnee Tans, the uh, Jonah's fiance. Yeah. How, well, how did you end up in, in that role on that show? And then what do you remember about the, you know, first, the first episode that you did on it? Oh my gosh. Well, Tim is a good friend and Tim, I knew for, I, I had done like a bunch yeah, of Tim Simons who plays Jonah. Tim Simons. Yeah. 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 
and I knew him from the improv world and comedy scene. And so when I auditioned for that part, I was, I was so excited just at the idea of like getting to play opposite him. And then I did the initial audition and then came back to do like a chemistry read with, with Tim. And that was such a blast. It was like so much fun playing off him. I mean, his character is just so easy to like react to. And in my case, my character's case, be upset by. <laughs> so. Jonah. Hmm. Hi. Hi. So, that really happened, huh? Why don't you take me back to your place? Do you live with your mom? No, no, she wishes. I live in my office. DC rents are insane. Ben and Kent say I can't use campaign money. Can I use campaign money? No, you can't use campaign money. Okay. Second opinion. I chose your outfit for the day, but I'm donating the rest of your suits to a charity for rescued circus giraffes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can take care of dressing myself. Can you? Hey, uh, do you have time to, uh... No. Okay. It's just you look really good in my robe, and I thought if you had some time, maybe I could finger you or something? No, I have to get going. Okay. We'll fuck again tonight at 7.30 with less kissing. Okay, yeah, no, 7.30 works. Take it about time. Okay, can I ask you a question? <sighs> what? Just, this is the first time that that's happened since the treatment, since the cancer, and I... Oh, my God, get to it, what? Did my missing ball freak you out? Honestly, it was one less thing to worry about. So, yeah, I, it was really nice to just see a friendly face in that and that kind of um, high pressure audition situation and just have fun and play with each other. It was it was super fun. And then when I got to to be on the show, I was just totally blown away by the level of commitment every single person on that show had the writers and Julia and all the cast had to like truly making every moment the funniest it could be. They held themselves to the highest standard and it shows it's such a it's such a genius show that was really inspiring to to be around. Yeah, I mean it's an incredible show and I think that they're the way they do it is is different than a lot of other shows. I mean, how would you describe sort of the the approach to just being in a scene on that show? When the the season that I was working on, I, I don't know if this is how it's always been or if it, it shifted in the seventh season, but they would have three cameras going. And then so they really captured all the angles they could right away. Not like a new setup for each. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there because there was so much like improvising and playing that you want to like capture those things as they happen. And so, yeah, we would we would do the scene as scripted and we would play with like different pacing and things. They would give us all jokes and then uh, we would do what they call a fun run, which is where we would just totally play <laughs> and like work within like the situation that we're playing in. But uh, but to just really just try things. And that was very cool to see. It was, yeah, it's a cool experience. Um, and then the other HBO show that I wanted to ask you about is you were on the most recent uh, season finale of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is yeah. incredible, with uh, Sam Richardson from Veep. What a dream. You play a married couple and very funny uh, scene in that <laughs> show. So yeah, what was it like walking into that world? Yeah. Again, Sam, I knew we had done a movie together. We were in Hawaii together in like for Mike and David wedding dates. And we got very close. We were, we were super good friends, <laughs> um, just hanging out in Hawaii and, and, um, making each other laugh. And so I auditioned with Sam and we, uh, we played, we like improvised with Larry in the audition and the, it very much had that same sort of, uh, spirit as Veep did, which is like this promoting this idea of like, 
owning the character that you're playing and like trying things as that character. It was so much fun. And it felt very easy stepping into that world of, yeah. Yeah. And that's one where you don't even have a, uh, you don't even have a script in that show, right? I mean, coming in. Right. They, they just give you like, here's, here's what's happening. At some point this will happen. And, but yeah, there's no script. Yeah. It was, uh, it felt very natural to step into that world having come from the improv background. Yeah. And what was Larry David like to, to work with, to act opposite? So lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so lovely. It's, uh, you know, his, his character on that show, uh, it stirs the pot so much and is so frustrating in so many ways, but him as a person, he's so generous and lovely. And he was laughing so much, which I thought was, was cool. He would laugh very generously at what we were doing and other people were doing. And, um, he just seemed to have a great time with it. Do you know the sex of the, of the child? We're going to have a little baby boy. A little baby boy. How about that? (laughs) Have you thought about the, um, the skin color at all? I'm sorry? You know, the tone, would you prefer it's, it's, a, it's a little darker? I would imagine you might prefer it to be a little darker as opposed to lighter, no? Well, I, I mean, I've never even thought about it, huh. but I guess like darker, I guess. Yeah, I would think. What? Right? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I, I, what? You prefer to be I mean, if somebody's asking me if I had to choose, I'd see a Why darker, are you yeah. choosing? You um, probably like it a little lighter, maybe, no? No, I, I don't. I don't think I want my baby to be lighter. I haven't thought about that at all. I'm surprised that you've thought no, about yeah, it. Like I, it's just. I mean, well, like, I, I, I hadn't thought about it, but ask the um, question. I mean. I know, but you could have said I don't have a preference, but you said you'd prefer him to be darker. Was, you don't have a preference. No, I don't have a preference. Say somebody put a gun to your head, said, "Do you want your baby to be lighter or darker? What would you choose?" Why is someone holding a gun to my head it's and asking me what shade I would prefer my son to be? I don't know. So he, Why is he putting a gun to my head? He wants to, he wants to find out what, what your preference is. So you're walking down the street with Will, and he snatches you into the back seat of the car, and now he's got a gun to your head. You want a lighter or a darker baby? What shade? What shade? Get away from me. What color is the guy holding the gun? He's mocha, right down the middle. Right down the middle. 50-50. You want a lighter or a darker? I, 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 I would say on the lighter side. Uh. Uh. Your resume and your, you know, your IMDb is just like so incredibly extensive. I feel like you've just been in like every show and done work so much. I mean, how do you kind of manage all of that? And because and, does it feel like you're working all the time or does it, does it not feel like that from your perspective? It does. I feel very, uh, very grateful and lucky that it, it there has been a, a pretty consistent flow of opportunities. And it has been so fun to like, one thing that I have a, as a goal is to play in all different types of genres and all different types of projects. And so that has been really cool to get to realize that dream. And like doing that, I did a few episodes of Homecoming on Amazon, which mm-hmm. is a, such a different like vibe <laughs> than Curb Your Enthusiasm. But I so enjoyed getting to getting to like play with the versatility of that and like step in these different roles. It, it, yeah, I feel very very lucky. You know, in terms of goals, what are the things that you that you want to do in your career that you that you haven't gotten to do yet? I mean, I would love to be in a uh, fantasy period film. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like what's like what's the uh, like what's the quintessential uh, fantasy period film that you are thinking when you when you say that? Like I mean, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind because this was a formative 
uh, a series of films for me as Lord of the Rings, like something like I can see it. Really? Yeah. God Getting bless, some like yeah. some elf energy, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god, the ultimate compliment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I something or like a very intense drama. I would love. I would love to do. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many things, so many different, um, projects I would want to be a part of, or like stories that I would want to tell. I just, I hope, I guess my, my, my dream dream is just that I get to keep meeting people and collaborating with people that what we're creating is so, so different than anything I've done before, or maybe is in line with it, but heightens it in a way. I I'm sure with everything you've done, you know, you've had to audition a lot. And I'm curious if there's a, an audition story that comes to mind when you think back on, on all of your auditions, whether it was something that you ultimately got or, or didn't get that, that really sticks oh out gosh. as a, a formative yeah. experience. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so many, so many. <laughs> but there was a, there, there was, remember there's this one time. I auditioned. It was a, it was fairly that like within the first few years that I had moved to LA. So it was early in my auditioning process. It was for a TV show or for a pilot. And the character I was auditioning for was like a very sort of prim Christian, like, but you know, kind of bubbly receptionist. If I think she was a receptionist, if I remember correctly, but in the scene, in the sides that I was going to audition with, um, the other character had the first line and then I had the second line. And so the waiting room was packed at this audition and it was taking, so I feel like it, I was there for like an hour and a half or something before I actually went in and I was wearing a shirt that uh, did not hold up well to sweat. <laughs> and so I, by the time it became my turn to audition, I had these giant damp stains under my office. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I got to make it work. I have to, here's the thing, as an actor, you got to use whatever's yeah, around you. You have to use, use it. it. You got to use it. And so I was like, I will, this is what I'll do. I, had, I came up with this whole plan in the waiting room. I was like, this is what I'll do. I'll act like my character's having like a private moment where she's examining her sweaty armpit stains <laughs> mm -hmm. and she's like oh no she's like having this moment and then the the other character will say the line and then i'll like be caught or whatever and like that will inform how i deliver my first line and uh and so i was like oh this is gonna be great what a what a cool like specific moment <laughs> and so i went into the audition room and um the casting directors were there and and we said hello and then they're like okay whenever you're ready and so i was like great so i took a moment and i lifted my arm up and i was like oh God, oh no. Oh, like <laughs> talking to myself about. Yeah, really, really committing. Yeah. <laughs> really committing. And they never, the line never came from the other <laughs> character. And so, like, an uncomfortable amount of time went by. Oh my God. And I, I was like, should I, do I say my line? Because my line is, is such a specific response to that mm. first line. And I, I like eventually was like, so do you, I'm sorry, do I, do you, I thought <laughs> you're, it was so uncomfortable. And I can only imagine that they were looking at me and, and just totally. <laughs> like taken aback by what I was doing that they forgot that they had the first one. Anyway, I didn't get it. You didn't get that one? <laughs> I didn't get that one, if you can believe it. Um, but yeah, there's so many little moments like that of trying things or like wanting to wanting to bring something to the table that was unique to me and in that moment doing something just incredibly strange. <laughs> and people maybe not getting it. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, not getting it and not not wanting more of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I also want to talk about a little bit about Wild Horses because yeah. I'm a big fan. Um, I got oh, to see you cool. guys at, at Largo Live uh, once a couple of years ago, and I mean, I guess for anyone who doesn't know, do you want to explain what Wild Horses is? Sure. Yeah, Wild Horses is uh, an improv comedy group. It's me, Lauren Lapkus, Aaron Whitehead, and Stephanie Allen, and we we formed in like 2013 and uh, started doing shows at UCB and Largo and places like that. And the, the structure of our show is we have a special guest, um, each, each show. And we start the show with the four of us just as ourselves talking. It's very much, uh, our version of the view. We like to say, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> which one are you? Are you, uh, you know, whoopee or, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a little bit at all of them. Uh, but, but the, our, whenever we talk about like how, it's our version of the view. It's like, oh, but we're like actually friends and we like, we all <laughs> we have like each kind other. of, you know, we don't hate each other. We all have kind of similar perspectives. So it's, it's very much not like the view, but that's the spirit of it. And we have like wine and we're talking and we're, we're like catching up on our wheat or like sharing if, uh, we do a thing called check-ins where we share something happened to us or like a thought we've had and get into a little conversation. And then we bring the guest out and we each have written down questions for the guests, but it's not at all structured like an interview. It's more like um, a dinner party or something. The guest is, you know, we'll, we'll go off on tangents. The guest can ask us questions. It's more like what we have written down is more like to get a conversation started. And it always goes in ways we would in directions and places we would never expect. So we talk to the guest for like 40-ish minutes, and then uh, we say goodbye to the guest, and then we do an improv set based on our conversation where we weave in details that came up, and um, yeah, so that's the that's the structure. Yeah, it's really fun, and all four of you are so incredible. And I saw you are doing some like online Zoom versions of it now, or have we you already done that, or are you going to? Or We did a few uh, in like the early months of, of quarantine. We did a few... And then I haven't done any this summer. And then I, we miss performing with each other so much and I decided to like do a December show at the dynasty typewriter or at, at the dine. And by that, I mean, at the online place yeah. of dynasty. Does that, does that work? <laughs> does, are you all in your own homes doing it in that case? Or are you actually there? And then, yeah, no audience. No, we're but, all in our, yeah. all in our homes, but people can tune in live and, um, this will be my first one. So I'm not entirely sure how it's going to all work, but Lauren's done a ton of them. And it's a great way to, again, like get, get a big audience, like let it's so accessible to people who don't live in LA and like maybe wouldn't get the opportunity to come see a live show. Yeah. That's what's so funny about these things. It's like, there's obviously so many downsides to not being able to perform in front of a live audience, but the fact yeah. that people can, can watch wherever they are, you know, there's a lot of people who would probably have loved to come to your guys' shows who, who couldn't cause they weren't in LA. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it feels exciting to um, have that opportunity now. How did it go when you did it on online on, earlier in the year? Was it strange to be doing that? <laughs> it, did it work well, do you think, in that format? Or It was strange, but it, it, it was like we discovered a whole nother layer of like what we can do. I remember there was in the like conversation part of the show, I was the host of the Zoom. And so we had talked about like Zoom and how the host can like mute anybody in the call. And so then in the improv scene, uh, there was a moment where my character like 
took over <laughs> and and I muted each and every one of them and then they they did the most Aaron Stephanie and Lauren did the most amazing like they were like trapped yeah. in the screen <laughs> it was so funny so there's like cool things you can do yeah, with this it's format great to, that, yeah to find those things that you wouldn't have yeah. thought of otherwise so what is there anything else I mean I know you said you you've done a little bit of shooting during this time is there anything that you're working on that you have coming up that you are excited about or that's that's actually happening <laughs> yeah oh my gosh well i mean it's it's uh that's always the question is what what is actually happened and happening <laughs> and like we, i feel like there's so many stages of making something that it it truly even though it, you could be actually shooting something and you could still ask the question of is this actually happening am i um, here yeah um there have been a few things that i've done a, a few commercials and i have been doing a, a lot of writing and clea and i are are working on a, a TV show idea as well. So there's a lot of things that are in those early, early stages, but that feel very promising. And I, I have hopes that w they will become <laughs> things that actually happen. It's funny we'll you mentioned commercials. Do you have a, do you have sort of like a strangest commercial uh, experience oh in, my your, gosh. in your career? Well, I do have a, the, the very, I have a commercial audition story. That's kind oh, of okay. fun. The, this was the first commercial I ever auditioned for. And it was a, it wasn't really a commercial. It was a PSA for Nickelodeon. And I remember I went in with another woman and we, the idea of it was that we were walking on the street and then we see a chicken wearing headphones that walks by us. And we have to like, clock the chicken <laughs> and like, like yeah <laughs> um but we don't say anything we just had to like be like huh, what's it? so he like had me standing more downstage closer to camera and had the other woman standing more upstage and then he was like okay so the chicken uh i'm gonna say action you're just gonna like pretend like you're walking and like just looking at the world around you and then i'll say chicken and then the, you'll <laughs> notice the chicken coming to you and just react. That's how you'll know there's a chicken when the man says chicken. <laughs> that's how you know there's anything. Whenever anybody says plane, that's how you know yeah. there's a plane. Yep. You know, it's, it yeah. helps it yeah. keep it really clear. So, yeah, so he's like, you'll see the chicken. Don't make a big deal about it. Don't, like, like clutch your pearls or whatever. Just react and then go on with your day. Keep walking. And so I was like, he was like, okay, action. And I was like walking. And then he said chicken. And this entire time that he was just <laughs> describing what we're doing, I was picturing a seven foot tall chicken. Yeah. I don't know why I like <laughs> made that decision, but I was like, okay, yeah. So it's a giant chicken with headphones. And so he said, he said, action, I'm walking along. He said chicken. And I like looked up at this towering <laughs> Godzilla, <laughs> towering chicken. And he walked by and I was like, whoa, it's a big chicken. And, <laughs> and meanwhile, the, the other woman behind me was doing what was looking at, which looking was down. like looking down. And so I can only imagine what the take looked like, but he, I didn't get called back. I didn't get no. it. Um, but <laughs> like, these are the kinds of swings you have to make as an actor. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta make big choices. Gotta make big choices. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so we end every episode of the podcast by asking comedians, who is another comedian that has made you laugh the hardest or 
one of the hardest in your life? Could be someone that you've you know seen perform or someone that you've worked with. Just who comes to mind? Someone who really, really makes you laugh. Lauren Lapkus. Lauren Lapkus makes me laugh so hard. Me too. Ugh, I mean, she makes everybody laugh so hard. We <laughs> we have recently been writing together, and so I've gotten to to spend so much Zoom time with her. And there there have been so many moments where I laugh so hard I cry. She's just one of the funniest people on the planet. I'm I'm such a fan of hers. I'm so glad that I get to have her in my life. Yeah. Another comedy bang bang uh, staple. Oh, well, I mean, the greatest of the great. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this and congrats on the movie. It's so exciting and I'm I'm thank excited you. for people to see it cuz it's it's really really wonderful. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun chatting about everything. Um, well, enjoy the rest of your day and uh, you too. Yeah, hopefully we'll we'll talk again sometime. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much to Mary Holland for coming on this week's show. Happiest Season is premiering on Hulu tomorrow, Wednesday, November 25th. Watch it with your family over Thanksgiving. You won't be disappointed. And if you want to check out the Wild Horses livestream show on Saturday, December 5th, we'll have a link to purchase tickets in the description for this episode as well. If you're enjoying this podcast, how about giving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts? We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at LastLaughPod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at Claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.